Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, listeners. Before we start this new episode, let me just mention my podcast sponsor, and that's italki. They are the perfect service if you're interested in improving your spoken fluency in English. And with italki, you can find qualified native speakers of English and arrange conversations or lessons whenever you want and wherever you want, because it's all done through Skype. They have thousands of teachers to choose from, and you can arrange classes around your schedule. The cool thing is that italki are offering you, my listeners, uh, $10 worth of free English lessons. Um, to get started, visit teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk, or just click an italki logo on my website. Okay, so that's the little sponsorship mention. Now let's start this episode, and here is... The jingle. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a journey into the English language. A journey into the DNA of the English language. Really? The DNA of the English language. Now that's a really quite a strong claim. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Who are you? You talking to me? You talking to me? You know who I'm talking to. I'm a school teacher. English composition. Oh, really? Yes. So then, hello. How are you doing? I hope you're well. I hope you're fine. Welcome back to another episode of this podcast for learners of English. Um, in this episode, Ollie Richards, the polyglot from England, is back on the podcast. Um, this is the second time that I've spoken to him on this podcast. The first time was back in February of this year. February. Feb- How do you say that month? Because the spelling is pretty weird. F-E-B-R-U-A-R-Y. But it's actually pronounced February. I think there's several ways to say this this month, okay? Uh, February, Feb you, like me and you, February, or February, February. So February, four syllables, or February, three syllables, okay? Now, that's a tricky word to say, and native speakers have some problems with that month as well, but either February or February, all right. So the first time I spoke to Ollie Richards on this podcast was in February, I believe, and that's episode number 332. If you haven't heard that one, I recommend that you go back into the archives, find it and listen to it because it will give you some good context uh, for this one. And also it will it's just really useful for English learning because it contains loads of really good advice and lots of motivation. Um Ollie is a great guest for this podcast because he basically spends his time learning languages and helping other people to learn languages too. Um, Ollie has managed to learn lots of languages, including French, Spanish, Portuguese, Japanese, Arabic, and Cantonese. And he learned them all in adulthood, not as a child. And that's quite an achievement. And he's managed to do it using some pretty clever strategies, techniques, and routines, which we can all apply to our language learning too. Now, I've arranged to speak to Ollie over Skype in just a few minutes. 
Um, so I'm just at the moment gearing myself up for the conversation, just getting all my Skype settings correct and getting everything connected and all that stuff. Um, last week I saw Ollie briefly on Periscope talking about a recent work-related trip to Los Angeles and um, he was talking about how the trip had affected his language learning routine and it all sounded very interesting. So I sent him a message, I sent him an email basically saying this, um, I wrote, hi, Ollie, I saw you on Periscope the other day. Do you fancy coming on the podcast soon for a catch up? And he quickly replied by saying this. He wrote, I'd love to come back on the podcast. I could do podcasts all day long and especially yours since it's so much fun. OK, great. So that's that. It's all been set up. Um, we haven't done much preparation uh, for this episode uh, beyond just setting a time for the conversation. Uh, the idea is that uh, we're going to just catch up on his recent news, see where the conversation takes us, and ultimately share more conclusions and tips about language learning. Um, just one more thing before uh, I talk to Ollie. Um, now, do you remember in our last conversation, in episode 332, Ollie asked me to make a, make a commitment about my French learning? Do you remember? Um, I promised that I would practice for 10 minutes every day. Um, also, I seem to remember a number of you made commitments about your learning in the comments section of that episode. And I wonder if you've kept up with those commitments. Well, honestly, okay, I'm putting my hands up. Honestly, I haven't been the greatest student because I haven't kept my promise. All right. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's not good enough. And really to make progress in, in your language, in this case, I'm, you know, I'm learning French. You have to make daily, uh, a, a commitment to daily practice, I know. Now, to be fair, I did go out and buy some self-study materials after this conversation with Ollie. I purposely went out to get some materials that I could use and I chose them very carefully and I started with the best of intentions, but I only did a few pages and then I got out of the habit of doing it, which is a really common thing. It's like a big trap that we all fall into as language learners. We all kind of make these commitments and promises to ourselves. And then we do something big, like we buy something, like we'll buy some learning materials. And then we don't follow it up with the actual, you know, the legwork. So yeah, I fell into that trap and I feel a bit bad about it. Um, and I wonder if he's going to bring it up. I think he probably will, but let's see. Now, my French has definitely improved recently, but the rate of improvement is just not good enough, frankly, and I need to pull my socks up and turn over a new leaf, and I think adding some daily practice into my routine would definitely help. Um, anyway, let's see if Ollie brings that up, uh, but now it's time to talk to Ollie Richards, the polyglot from England, so here we go. Hello, we're talking about language. Sit down, let's have a chat. A bit of a chat, sir. A bit of a chat, yes, Doctor, just a bit of a chat. <laughs> what about, sir? About English as a global language. This is a conversation. Yes. I would like to talk to you. Okay, let's talk. Let's have a quick conversation, huh? What do you think? That's what we're going to do. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a conversation about language. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure to chat. And uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Great. 
I saw you on Periscope the other day. Oh, no. <laughs> you were the one. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, there were a few people there. How is Periscope for you? Do you use it a lot? Yeah, I, I, I've, I have been. I mean, I've kind of been off and on. It's, I, I, I find it's quite exciting, Periscope. And for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's like live video. So you can, you know, you can follow people live. So I basically turn on, I walk around London. This is what I do. I walk around mm. London and I turn on the camera and I talk about and people can watch live and it's it's quite exciting to be able to have that kind of live spontaneous conversation with people um i think it's a very new thing and so people are still figuring out how it works i'm still figuring out how i want to use it but it's really cool to be able to just you know what happens i'm walking along and i have an idea and i'm thinking about you know i was maybe i was i was studying languages in the morning and and I, and I had this kind of crazy idea or I had this I kind of this realization that something is very important. Mm. So I just turn on Periscope and I talk about it and it's it's quite cool. Yeah. And also it saves whatever you've said. So you can kind of use it as a little record as well of those those ideas as they come to you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different things, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, I write lots of blog posts, I do podcasts, but this is the thing that's really you know, when you watch that, you get the real me. You know, there's, yeah. no edit- there's no editing. There's no, you know, you kind of you, you see me like being a bit shy as a couple of people walk past, right, laughing at what I'm doing. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, you get the real thing, and that that's 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 cool. I think that's 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 nice for people to to see that, like, there are rough edges as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. I should do more of that. I mean, I did. I had like a little phase of doing periscopes last year. And I just sort of got out of it because I find that, you know, I want to spend most of my time doing the podcast. And it's I, I try to kind of do both at the same time. And I don't think that's really the best way to use Periscope. Because when, yeah, you're, when you're Periscoping, yeah. you really need to be speaking directly to the people on Periscope. I think and if, so. you're, if you're not, if they're just sort of observing you doing something else then it's less engaging. I think really... But I'll tell you what, I think it's quite exciting for English learners, though, because you can, um, you know, if if anyone hasn't used Periscope, what you can do is you've got this map of the world and you can go to anywhere in the world and you can look and see um, people. So, like, you can can find the UK, you can go to London and you can see all the people that are talking live on video at that moment in London. You can just watch people talking, speaking English or whatever other language they're speaking. Yeah. And, like, that's a very cool tool to get real listening practice absolutely yeah it's and it's so authentic you know because a lot of the time it's just some guy sitting in his living room you know or or a couple of friends who are playing like fifa or something and they're periscoping at the same time you, know, you can just drop into someone's house and just sort of yeah, observe them talking it's crazy we just set everybody listening to this a challenge going go and download periscope app right now find me and luke yeah. And then, and then you know, fight, fight, I mean, I guess if Luke isn't periscoping, then that's going to be a, a bit of a letdown. <laughs> You're going to find <laughs> me and there's just going to be nothing there. There's going to be nothing there. But look, look for us anyway. And then just, you know, you, you're going to get this great live, spontaneous English listening practice. So go, yeah. and, go and get the app. It's really cool. All right. So now in that Periscope that I saw you on, um, you were saying that you'd just come back from the USA. Yes. So can you, can I ask you what you were doing in, in Los Angeles then 
What were you doing there? So I spent, yeah, I spent a week in the USA and I actually was in LA for about two days or one and a half days. And then I spent the rest of the time up in Boise, Idaho. Oh, wow. Which is the kind of place that no one has been to. Um, <laughs> but it's actually really nice. Yeah. It's kind of countryside, small town um, America, mm. very white, um, homogenous place. That's the Midwest, isn't it? It's the Midwest. Um, it's kind of Mormon country. Yeah. So Idaho and Utah, look, a lot of um, um, Mormons there. Very cool place. I really like it. And I was there on, on, on for work. I was meeting um, people that I work with, that I do business with. Mm. Um, so it was kind of a business trip, really. But I did take the opportunity when I was in LA. I had a, a meetup and I met some really, really cool people uh, who listen to the podcast, the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Yeah. And we had, um, I put some photos on Facebook actually. Uh, and there was like, I think we had about 10 people just kind of turn up to this this little cafe in Melrose Place in Los Angeles and we spent the afternoon talking about languages and language learning and just life in general and that was so cool to be able to to just kind of drop in to a, a big city around the world and have all these people come out to yeah to meet me basically and it was um a very very nice experience I'd like to do the same thing I mean I, I was just talking on the podcast the other day about the idea of going on like the <clears throat> the Luke's English podcast world tour <laughs> which is just a crazy idea at the moment but it, it I mean you know it's a crazy idea but it might just work um, well you've got so many people listening to this podcast I'm sure you could drop into like Tokyo and, and just pack out a, a concert venue or something <laughs> hello like. Tokyo yeah <laughs> <laughs> I can see it happening. Yeah. I th thing is, though, I'd be like, hello, Tokyo, you know, and then, I, then I'd have to, you know, keep them entertained for an hour. Um, that could be interesting. There's so many different, so many possibilities, actually. It's amazing. But um, yeah, something, something, uh, a crazy project for the future there. Maybe I can learn from you and, you know, how you managed to hook up with those. Uh, well, I mean, listen, I, I you know, I, I thought when I went to LA, I thought <clears throat> no one's going to. No one's going to be interested in meeting me. Why would anyone want to meet me? But I thought, you know, screw it. It's worth a try, right? It's yeah. not every day that I go to LA. So I put, I did two things. I put an event on Facebook mm. and I mentioned it on the podcast. And from those two things, people came. Um, half the people came from Facebook. Half the people came from just hearing me mention it on the podcast. I said, hey, oh, by the way, next Saturday, 22nd of May, I'm going to be in Los Angeles. So yeah. come and meet. And, and, and it worked. So... You know, I think for, Luke, for, for you, Luke, next time you go on holiday, whether it's like Brighton Pier or, or, or like a beach in Sri Lanka, just, just tell people, hey, guys, I'm going to be in, in Brighton. Yeah. Hanging out on the pier at 3.30 next Tuesday. Come, and, come, come along. And, you know, you might be surprised. Yeah. All right. So what, 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 how did the Americans that you met, certainly in Idaho, for example, how did they react to um, your, your Englishness? Because, you know, often Americans are quite yeah. charmed. They're quite charmed by things like the English accent. And did you have any conversations about British and American English? What I do notice is like some friends of mine that spend a lot of time in the, in, in, in the States, they do adopt Americanisms very, very quickly. Because mm. I think it's because they kind of want to, they, they, get, they get a bit tired of sticking out, you know, yeah. being, being clearly English. Yeah. And so they, they kind of use, they kind of, they, they, they kind of go off saying things like, let's bounce, dude. And things like that, mm. and um, and and just using American equivalent words. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
it's interesting how quickly that happens. You see that with actors like British actors or musicians who've relocated to, you know, Los Angeles, for example. You think of someone like Ringo Starr, you know, and uh, they appear on TV in the UK with this Americanized accent. And you just know that there are people in their homes all over the country kind of going, oh, my God, listen to the way he speaks. He's gone all American. <laughs> yeah. What do you think yeah. about what do you think about that? I mean, do you do you think they've got a point or, or? I, I think I think it's normal. I think if you spend that much time living in any country, you're going to get that accent. I mean, the, the reason like my Spanish, the reason I speak Spanish with a, an accent from the Canary Islands, which is quite unusual, mm. is simply because that's where my friends are from. I think it's inevitable. But but I um, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it happens to everybody. I mean, my, I mean, my parents spent four years in Canada when they were younger, and they uh, they told me when they came back to the UK, mm. they uh, all their friends would laugh at them because they sounded they'd lost their English accent. So accent, you know, is a funny thing. And in fact, like I've um I've written blog posts about about accent before, and it's a very funny thing because a lot of people um, want to have a perfect accent in English. And they want mm. to they want to speak like the Queen or like BBC English or whatever or like me or or you or, or or whoever they want. People feel that accent is a very important thing. Yeah. Whereas you know we know in reality because of the uh, because English is a lingua franca now everybody uses it around the world. Mm. You have I mean the accent is a totally fluid thing and you can have people from India, um, Syria and Mexico talking together. Yeah, all of them have different accents, but they communicate without too much trouble. One of the things I always, I always tell people is that accent, like, is not a question of speaking right or wrong, mm. rightly or wrongly. Maybe I, should, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, accent is is a function of your personality and your identity and your social group. Mm. So, you know, pronunciation is important because pronunciation is you know, do you say the sounds of English correctly? Mm. Can you say su, ta, da, pa? That's pronunciation, but accent is not about speaking right or wrong. It's about speaking. Um, it's about you, you, you demonstrating where you're from, where you live, and the people around you. Yeah. And and as we've just seen, like that can change very quickly. You can get English people who who go to live in America and end up speaking half American very very quickly. Although curiously, it doesn't seem to work the other way around. I've never noticed many American like Americans that live in the UK mm. very rarely seem to lose their accents. I've I've heard a couple of Americans who've who've you know lived in the UK for a while sort of um, changing their accent slightly or having their accent change slightly. There's people like oh I had a friend who was originally from the states and he just certain things like you know the T sound sort of comes back a little bit or it might be a glottal stop or someone like Stuart Copeland. You know him? He was the drummer from The Police, right? Yeah. And he uh, originally was American, but he moved to the UK and lived there for a long time. And you can hear in his, in his accent, it's definitely American, but it's become anglicised to a certain extent. I mean, For sure, yeah. You know, so it does happen a bit, but yes, I guess... Uh, I guess it's less likely to happen. I wonder if that's just because of because American English is somehow, I don't know, more pervasive than British English, and and therefore you know we accommodate to American English more easily than Americans accommodate to British English. You know, because we're already we've already got a certain level of exposure to it from all the TV and movies and things like that. So it's quite an easy process to accommodate to American English, whereas the other you know it doesn't happen quite so easily the other way just a theory 
I wonder if it's also about identity because I think accent is such a psychological thing, and mm. it, 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 it's um, you know the way that we the accent is so closely connected to mm. our, our feelings about who we are. So, what would you say to uh, you know listeners to this podcast who sometimes get in touch with me and say, "I want to learn the British accent." You know, that they're they're very keen to speak like me or speak like you, for example. Um, now, first of all, is it is it possible? to completely um, kind of wipe out traces of your first language from your English accent? Is it possible? And secondly, is it necessary? What do you think? Um, so the first question, is it possible to speak? Is it possible? Let's say, you know, if you're, let's say you're Spanish and or you speak Spanish as a first language and you want to learn uh, English and you want to be able to speak it without any trace of, uh, of a Spanish accent. Is that, do you think that's possible? It's virtually impossible. Uh-huh. Now, there are, there are always examples of people who do learn to do that, but they are very much the exception. And, you know, st- like studies of people, studies of, of, there are, in the US and Canada, there are s- several very long-term studies, 20, 30-year studies mm. of, of immigrants to the US and to Canada. And they have, they've analyzed their, their, their language and, and, and their, the progress of their English over time. And what they found is that, that on the whole, and these are always generalizations, but on the whole, any, the, the, all the migrants to the US and Canada have been able to learn, on the whole, uh, to speak perfectly correct and grammatical English. Mm-hmm. Um, the, over, you know, with time and if they choose to, to integrate and to, and to learn. Mm. The, the one part of language which does not, that, that generally cannot be learned to a native level yeah. is, is accent. Mm, interesting. It's the one thing. And there seems to be a cutoff point around what people sometimes call the critical period. And the critical period is highly debatable. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of bandied around as something that is kind of scientifically proven fact, but, it, but it, it's not a, at all. But it does seem to be relevant to pronunciation, which is to say that after around the age of 14, mm-hmm. and, you know, you can probably, I'm sure, Luke, you know, you've come across people who you, who you could relate to the situation. After yeah. the age of, of, say, 14, more or less, yeah. it's very difficult for someone to move abroad and develop a native-like accent. But now if you think about people who, are, who have moved to the UK before the age of 14, I would guess that on the whole, every single one of them now speaks with a perfect English accent. Right. So 14 is, seems to be the cut-off point. I mean, obviously, it's, it's flexible, but that's yeah. the kind of age. The studies show that that's the kind of age. So people that moved to the US or, or Canada before mm. that age would end up not only learning perfect English, but also having a perfect English accent. Right. Those, those who moved after the age of 14 would ha- end up speaking perfect English over time, but they would still uh, retain their accent. Very much someone like a kind of Henry Kissinger type uh-huh. type personality, someone who, who is, you know, you know, is incredibly educated and speaks perfect English in every single way, and yeah. yet he has a very strong um, accent still. Right. So what does this um, mean then for, you know, adults, people who are, you know, way beyond 14, people who are determined to improve their accent? Is, is that something that they should be spending all their time and effort on? No, I, I really, I mean, for me, accent is one of the least important things about language learning. Because here's the thing, if you spend time with native speakers, you will 
develop an effective accent. The problem comes when you're kind of studying in isolation and you never speak with people. But that's, you know, what is a good act? Okay, so, okay, mm. let's, try, let's try and simplify this. If yeah. you come to the UK, specifically London, and you live here, you will speak to people um, all day long who have an accent like mine, yeah. who have an American accent, a Scottish accent, a Welsh accent, a Northern English accent, um, a South African accent, an Australian accent, and that's just native English speakers. Yeah. Then you're going to speak to people with a Polish accent, a Spanish accent, an Indian accent, a Mongolian accent, a Chinese accent. Mm. Um, and you're gonna, you, you, what you realize very quickly is that accent is meaningless. It doesn't mean anything because all it does is, is demonstrate where – is have, give you some clue as to where you're from. Yeah. Now, what matters, what's really important is can you communicate effectively? And that's – and for that, you need, you, need to have, you need to have two things. You need to know how the language works. So you need to be able to speak English yeah. correctly or, or you know, reasonably well. And then your, your accent needs to be – it needs to be able to communicate your emotions and your feelings. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you can speak, um, you can say something, any sentence, and with the wrong intonation, the wrong accent, for example, that it will confuse people. Yeah. You know, you can say, I love you. But if you say it with the wrong accent or the wrong intonation or, or whatever, like, like, I love you. <laughs> yeah, or I love you. I said, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, like, so the, the accent, you need to learn to, to, you need to, you need to make sure that your accent communicates your intention, the thing that you want to say. Mm-hmm. But th- and that's the only thing that matters because other, because beyond that, all it does is it shows where you're from. And, you know, I, when I'm speaking to someone, I don't care if they're from, from China or from, from South Africa or London or, or, or Alabama. It, does, it really doesn't matter to me. Yeah. In fact, if I, I, I like it, it's an it's an endearing thing because it shows me that they are an individual. That I'm more interested in people that are different from me than people who are exactly like me. Yeah. And, and so, in, in fact, like you know, native speakers, in fact, anyone find different accents to be charming and interesting. And you know, within your accent, you have your personality and your own personal life story. Yeah. Uh, so the, think- the key, the key thing. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I just wanted to just to finish that that thought. The key thing is that accent, in that sense, so the accent is in it, the important thing about accent is that it it shows your intention. It, mm. it shows your emotion and your intention. That's not something you can learn by yourself. Okay. So if mm. you're at home. The you guys listening to this, if you're at home and you're trying to work on your on your accent at home by kind of I don't know shadowing or co- copying CDs or something, you know that that might help. But because accent is all about communication, the only way you're going to develop an effective accent is by being around people. And you know when I think about my like for me my strongest languages, which would probably be. Um, you know, uh, Spanish and Portuguese would be my two strongest foreign languages. Mm. Um, I, I often get complimented on my accent in those languages. And the reason is because I've spent years with people, with Brazilians, with Spanish. And so I know that when I open my mouth, I communicate very, very clearly because I'm so used to it. It's so normal for me to do that. And so, you know, to develop that good accent, 
you've got to spend time with people and, and, and if you're learning on your own that's going to be something which is going to be is going to it's going to be a problem at some point unless you start spending time with people because developments of an accent or at least sort of developing to the point where you're speaking clearly is a natural process actually you know it's they call it what accommodation that's where you're you know when you spend time with other people you naturally adapt the way that you speak to to sort of match the way that they speak um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, just so for example, like just a second ago, you know, when I interrupted you, yeah. and I said, I said, what I said something like, uh, "Oh, sorry to interrupt, but just to continue that that thought." I think that's what I said. Yeah, like that. The only way I can learn to to say that and do it in a polite way. I hope I was polite. Sorry yeah, if, I, you know. if I was rude, but <laughs> the only way I can learn to do that is by interrupting enough people <laughs> to kind of yeah. to be able to to interrupt in a cool way. Yeah. So it's you know, it, in that it's it's just through a, a process of like trial and error, essentially over long you know long periods of time of actually talking to, to to people that you learn what works and what doesn't work in a language, and that includes also just about you know being clear, doesn't it? I mean, it's a sort of an evolution. And the key the key thing is, I mean, to, to try and make it practical for people, the key thing is that when you are with English speakers. Try to watch the way that they use their voice and the way that they say things. So when when you when you meet someone for the first time, you know how does their voice does, does their voice go up or down? Yeah. You know when do they say do they say hey Luke or do they say hey Luke mm. or do they say oh hello Luke like what how do they how do they use their voice what 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 you know how, what does it sound like what do they do with their with their arms and their eyes and their body, like those are the things that you need to do. And so, the the, the, the one of the best kind of practical things to, to say to people is like, don't just listen to the words, listen to the acting, if you like, and listen to yeah. the way people speak and how they use their voice and their body. And that's and then imitate, copy, copy exactly what they do. I remember, um, you know, a Brazilian Portuguese is a very beautiful language, but it's very, very expressive. And mm. the other day, I was doing a, I recorded a chat in, um, in Portuguese with a Brazilian friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and I, I put it on the blog actually. So if anyone wants to go and watch, see a bit of me speaking Portuguese, you can go to, uh, to I will teach you a language dot com. Search for search for Portuguese, and you'll and you'll find it. Yeah. And um, and I hadn't spoken it for some time actually and I, and so i was doing a kind of before i was speaking before before i had this chat with the with the guy i was just talking to myself in portuguese for like 5 minutes or so and i and i kind of noticed mm. i remembered actually man i have to open my mouth a lot more than i do normally yeah because in english we, the mouth stays kind of fairly shut but in portuguese Quando você fala português, assim, a boca tá muito mais aberta, sabe? It's like the the your 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 you got to open your mouth and like you got to use a huge range of expression mm. that you don't use in English. And I remember when I first started learning to speak Portuguese, I used to spend hours just copying the sounds and the the different vowel sounds, aberta, that that, that kind of thing, like copying yeah. because it's so different from English. Yeah. Um, and so that's and and that was really important to me. I think over time to to, to develop a, a a good accent because it was it was just about copying and imitating the way that people would 
would speak. And also understanding that it's a physical process. It's not just, you know, it's, language is not just some sort of abstract thing just in words, you know, written down or in the air. It's actually a physical thing. It's about our bodies and it's about the way that we use muscles uh, yeah. to produce these sounds. So it's, it's worth remembering that language is something that we do. It's not something we know, you know. It, it's, it's something we actually do physically. So what you said about Portuguese for me is interesting because it just showed that you're actually sort of working on the motor skills the actual uh, mechanics of moving your mouth and and so on um i have an example about what you said about for example noticing the way that people say things not just the words they use and one thing i I often noticed when i was uh, teaching in london is that i I would often take my students to the pub and uh, none of them could get served they they couldn't (laughs) get served at the bar and they didn't know how to say excuse me because, you know, in, in, in the UK, you say, excuse me, like this, excuse me, you know, excuse me, like that. And you, you put your finger up. Is that how uh, you order a pint, Luke? Yeah, excuse me, can, uh, can I have a pint of Guinness, please? Excuse <laughs> me, and eye contact, and sort of raise my eyebrows a bit, and uh, sort of nod my head and make eye contact, and if necessary, excuse me, rather than, you know, anything else with the other versions that could be... You know, like, excuse me, with a different intonation pattern. But that intonation pattern is, as far as I can tell, is the the successful one. That's the one that gets the person's attention, and yet yeah. it doesn't sound in, it doesn't sound too rude. You know, especially when you make a bit of eye contact, nod your head, raise your eyebrows a little bit. Excuse me. You know, and that's a friendly way of saying excuse me, and that's the one that's going to get you the attention of the barman. And yeah. then, and you know, then you have to say a pint of Guinness, please. You know, yeah, and then you can say whatever you want to say, right? But you've got to get the attention in the excuse, first place. Excuse me, mate. Excuse me. Yeah. Like that. Instead of, yeah. uh, you know, excuse me. Or any of the other... Yeah, and, and uh, so you think about the way the recording's in a textbook. And if you, if you listen to the dialogues in a textbook, you're going to get, excuse me. If yeah. you try, try ordering a pint by saying, excuse me, like that, you'll be there all day. Yeah, yeah. But, but, that's, but that's, I mean, that's why I think, like, so earlier the, the word I used... Well, the word I always use for talking about accents is effective, mm. not not accurate, not real, not English, but effective. Like, does it do the job that you want? And that I love that example because if you speak perfect English, <clears throat> but you go to a pub and you can't get a drink, <laughs> then your English is not effective because you don't know how to use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to the thing about accents, I was just wanted to sort of wrap it up just uh, by saying that so that the what i would what i guess we could say to to my listeners who who are worried about their accent is that actually people should realize that their version of english is still valid that there are many different versions of english there isn't necessarily one universal perfect correct version there are many that is so um diverse and you know as long as you're being clear uh, you should I think consider your version of English to be a perfectly valid version. Like there's a, a French English and a and a, a Japanese English and, you know, like you said, a, a Portuguese English or something. And as long as those versions are basically clear and effective, then it's all right to have traces of your accent in there. Yeah, but let's make a distinction between accent and pronunciation as well. Right, because yeah, yeah. because because when we talk when you talk about, for example, say Japanese English, what right. comes to what comes to mind is not so much the accent, but it's pronunciation problems. For yeah. example, the the l and for, for the the l and the r in English is something that is 
difficult in Japanese because they only have the l sound. They don't have the r like we do in English, yeah, right? I, I, yeah. So, I get, go on, go on. Yeah. So, 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 when we're talking about accent, accent is one thing. Pronunciation is an, is, is something else. So, the 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 most important thing, what is extremely important because it affects communication. And what is very, very important and something that you should learn right from the beginning is correct pronunciation. And that means making sure you can pronounce all of the English, all of the letters in the English alphabet accurately, mm, mm. which means, um, and, and that's not accent, that's pronunciation. So, and that's absolutely essential to communication because if you're, and every language has this, you know, you the German, Germans like to use w, um, for example, because yeah. that's uh, which is something I found out recently. I spent a few weeks learning German, and I kind of noticed these these little differences. So every almost every language is going to have um, th- is going to have difficulty with some pronunciation. Spanish people, for example, can't say r the way we say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so th- they're going to keep sounding very, very Spanish, uh, or even maybe not successfully communicate until they can pronounce that in the correct way and very few people actually can really so make sure your pronunciation is correct at the beginning so if if it's a question of learning pronunciation which version of pronunciation should they learn though because um you know there are there are sort of like the the standard phonemic chart is based on received pronunciation isn't it um yeah i mean I mean, mo- most of the dictionaries i mean when they transcribe the pr- the, the you know phonemes if they transcribe words phonetically, it's basically received pronunciation. But you might go to, let's say, I don't know, Newcastle, Sunderland. You know, if you're working in, for Nissan in Sunderland, for example, you might actually find that people speak uh, quite a different version compared to the, the version in the dictionary. But it's yeah. still sort of native British English. Yeah, so what I, what I say with this is, like, you know, always learn the standard version. Unless you have any other particular reason, mm. then learn the standard version because everybody's going to understand that, right. you know. Um, so using the standard English phonemic chart is a great, is is a great place to start because the thing is, as soon as you start to live with English, you know, whether you move to America or you move to Newcastle or you, you marry an English guy or, or whatever, until you actually, the moment that English becomes a real part of your life, you know, your accent's going to change completely anyway. So, so until that happens, you may as well learn standard English um, use it, you know by using the resources that you've got mm. because I mean with you're, you're right that the, the the standard English pronunciation that you get in books and things is based on uh, my English and your English right it's yeah. like standard C pronunciation um, and and that is because that's everywhere because that's what you're going to find in all the books if you decide to learn a different kind you're making your life very difficult because suddenly you don't have any resources now. You're going to get confused between all the different things. Mm. So, uh, you know, definitely use what resources are available um, because it's going to make your life so much easier. And, you know, I this is something I've been finding recently because I've been learning. Um, you know, sometimes we never appreciate how much, you know, what we've got until we don't have it, right? Yeah. Because in English, we've got, you guys learning English, you're so lucky. You have so many books and courses and podcasts and things like that. If you try to learn a, a more a less common language like Cantonese or Egyptian Arabic, which I've learned for the last couple of years, you find suddenly there are no resources. There's like two books in the world for yeah. learning these languages. Yeah. And there's no standard way to write them. You can't get dictionaries that are any good. Um, you, you know, 
without resources, you you're really screwed. So the great thing about learning English is you've got you've got uh, more resources than you'll ever need. So um, you know, don't worry about is this the right English or the wrong English. You know, just go go ahead, learn it and. It's not going to matter long term. Just just listen to Luke's English podcast, basically. Just listen to Luke's English podcast. Um, I've got another question for you, which is sort of related to this. And, and we were talking about the physical side of, of uh, you know, practicing English. Um, now, uh, the question is, do you ever experience physical pain when you're speaking other languages? And uh, the reason I ask this question is because I had a listener from South Korea who recently sent me a message now, I've already replied to him directly by email, but I thought it might be interesting to just sort of like have a little chat about this. So this is the message that I got um, from a, a listener in South Korea. And uh, he said, uh, I think it's he, could be a she, I'm not sure. Anyway, the message is, hi, Luke, I'm trying to repeat after you and read transcripts out loud so I can improve my English. But every time I do that for just 30 minutes, I have a sore and eventually my gland in my neck ends up getting swollen. Wow. <laughs> I wonder, am I speaking English in a wrong way? If you hear about that situation, please let me know. Thank you. So uh, uh, the, the, this person says that they have a sore, maybe a sore throat. I, I guess that's what that means rather than... Hope, just, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. They, they end up with a sore throat and they're, 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 it said, my gland in my neck ends up getting swollen. Now, mm. I, I guess, I don't know which gland that is. We have more than one gland, but I suppose it's like, you know, essentially the, 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 this person's getting a sore throat when they yeah. uh, repeat after me for 30 minutes. Um, what do you think about that? Any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So my question would be, well, in Korean, how often do you speak for 30 minutes nonstop? And my guess is very rarely. How many of us ever, unless we're teachers, how, how often do you speak for 30 minutes? Yeah. Uh, and probably hardly ever which means I, I would guess if you did that in Korean for 30 minutes forget the English for a minute if you yeah. spoke non-stop for 30 minutes in Korean you would you'd have a sore throat too so I think it's it's nothing to be worried about it's just um, it, it's just the fact that you're using your voice more than than otherwise and you know just a couple of days ago I was listening to a podcast where a guy was talking about making um, making courses making online courses mm. And he would have to spend like one whole day yeah. uh, filming. So he would be on camera and he'd be speaking for the whole day to record these courses. Now, he said that um, after he did that, he had a sore throat for like a week. Right. And the reason was because he's, he's like in his normal life, he doesn't speak very much. He says like maybe 10 words a day or something <laughs> like that. And so just the physical act of speaking that much um, is gave him a sore throat. Yeah. So I, I think it's totally normal. Um, it, it may be the case that um, for this particular person, like speaking English um, maybe makes them, they have to open their mouth or use their mouth in different ways than they would in Korean. That might have a, something to do with it. Yeah. But no, it's just a stamina thing, um, really. So I think keep doing it. I would say um, that, yeah, it's just a natural part of, you know, developing you know, the physical attributes you need in order to pronounce, you know, things in English in the way that they're supposed to be pronounced. It's just a natural process that, you know, it's a bit like going to the gym. You know, if you're, if you're training in the gym, it's, it is often quite painful. Um, but that's just because your, your muscles are actually working and, um, you know, it's all, it's all part of the training process about the sore throat. 
I guess that's part of it. For, for me, when I when I speak French for any length of time, I definitely feel the muscles around my jaw. Um, I can feel there's some strain there. Um, so I think it's more of a mus. Usually, it's a muscular thing rather than a sore throat. But uh, yeah, exactly. Speaking um, and repeating after me for thirty minutes on your yeah, own that's in, a lot. in a new language um yeah of course it's gonna it's gonna hurt your throat you know so um i would say to this listener that just you know don't worry maybe just reduce the amount of time that you're doing it um because you don't want to you know hurt yourself um so you know try speaking for 20 minutes at a time instead of 30 and just you know make sure you drink lots of water and um you know take vitamin c don't uh, don't get <laughs> don't catch a cold or something um yeah, so I suppose it's just normal, isn't it? That's that's a normal thing that happens. Do you do you ever experience any sort of like you know muscle pain from? Um, I did have when when I was learning Arabic. I did, yeah, yeah, because they... because you use these, you have these guttural sounds like the ain, which you don't have in other languages, and that's like uses your throat muscles in a way that you never use otherwise. Yeah, um, and you know if you ever listen to Arabic people speaking, um, you know you it sounds very um, harsh to the ear from an English. English ear because they use all these sounds that we simply don't use and I went yeah I, I found that often I would because I, I used to have an hour-long Arabic lessons and I, yeah my throat would I don't know if hurt is the right word but I would certainly notice some fatigue in my throat mm. and in my jaw after speaking Arabic for an hour definitely how is uh, how's your Arabic at the moment so I've basically decided to let my Arabic go really um, what long yeah. term I think so, um, wow. Wow. and this was a—it's not something I've really talked about um, publicly, actually. But I'm very happy to share it because I think it's—it's—it's it's it's one of the things that you have to think about when you learn a lot of languages. Mm. Um, is that you know, are you learning a language for sport or for for your for your life? Yeah. And you know, I learned Arabic in the first place because I moved to Egypt mm -hmm. and so I wanted to learn the local language and I was, I was I was living there for a year and so obviously I wanted to learn the language when I, when I was there now I've and I got to a kind of conversational level in in Egyptian Arabic when I was there and since then I've moved back to London and Arabic has no plays no part in my life whatsoever mm. here mm. I, I very rarely hear it spoken um, I I have no contact with it at all. So I'm kind of faced with this dilemma of if, you know, like, do I now spend hours a week mm. or however much time, my, my precious time every week, do I spend that time on Arabic? And I am sort of forced to look at the long term and think, well, when, let's say I do, I do this, when will I use it? Um, the, you know, from time to time in a cafe, in an Arabic cafe maybe, or if I happen to meet someone, like, there might be the occasional opportunity. But the, rea the, the brutal reality is that Arabic simply doesn't play a part in my life anymore. And I don't, I don't think I'm going to move back to the Middle East. So I don't see it playing a part in my life in the future. So I've kind of taken the decision not to keep it up um, because you know, an, an hour mm -hmm. a week spent on Arabic is an hour that I'm not spending on something else. And so, I, you know, 
I would prefer to spend that time on languages that I'm more likely to use and um, that I'm that I, that I'm more very very personal decision. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And and it and it's it's difficult as well. Um, in in the in the past, I probably would have said, you know, out of pride, I would have said, no way, I'm not losing this language. But yeah, uh, and then kept studying it and still never getting anywhere with it probably because I. Because unless you're really with any language, especially a hard language like Arabic, you know, if you're not putting hours, hours in every week, you're not going to improve. Yeah. So it was kind of a difficult decision, but I kind of feel like I'm at a stage with both in my in my life and with you know, because I've I've learned nine languages now, and um, like yeah. that is a it's more than enough. Let's be honest. <laughs> But even I mean, but, that, but that's the thing. I, but even that that kind of word enough is that I don't I don't think of it in those terms. Like I when I think about these languages, I think well, what do they mean for my life? Yeah. And um, that's what that's that's the only thing that I think about because uh, it takes a lot of work to maintain them. And the, so here's the 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 kind of dilemma in my in my mind. So I find that once. I get a language to a, a kind of B2 level, mm-hmm. just a kind of upper intermediate level. I then, I, I don't have to work at it anymore. I can keep that language probably forever as long as I speak it from time to time. Yeah. So, you know, my French, for example, is is very, about as rusty as it can get. Yes. But because it used to be around a C1 advanced level, that's hardwired into my brain now and I'm never going to forget that. It doesn't mm-hmm. require... Um, it doesn't require any work to maintain. You'll be able to get back to that position without too much work. Exactly. If I ever needed to use French seriously, I know that within a, you know a few weeks of of, re, of revision, I, I could get it back fairly quickly. It's in my brain. Yeah. Now with my Arabic, it was it was never really beyond a kind of A two, kind of lower intermediate level, really. Right. And so I know that if I stop studying, I will lose it over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the, it didn't get to that sort of uh, that that particular point at which you know it can stay alive. Exactly. And so the qu- the question is like, do I either let it go, or if not, do I continue studying it seriously until a kind of upper intermediate level? Um, and that's the dilemma. And in the case of Arabic, because it's a hard language, that would mean I think two three years of of continued study. And yeah. I'm just not. It just doesn't make sense for me in my life to do that so it's a I'm difficult sure, decision but I'm sure, I, I'm sure my Arabic listeners are going to be gutted Ollie they'll be like no yeah. not, don't let Arabic go um, yeah but again but they, you know yeah it's, it's, a, it's a very personal decision which which of, of the languages that you speak do you think is the most important for, for you at this point Just, oh man what a what a question difficult question um, English except English <laughs> <laughs> Do, is there one that you find that that uh, you know is is more useful, sort of in an immediate sense at this stage? Well, it's probably Spanish because, um, because I'm working quite a bit in Spanish at the moment. Yeah. So, I, one of the things that I'm one of the projects I'm working at the moment on at the moment is something called the Fluent Spanish Academy, mm. and um, it's because I've decided to to start to help people to learn Spanish, and um, because w- with me and on my on my website in general, I always look at. I, I generally talk about language, how to learn a language, right? Language learning strategies. Yeah. But um, I want to start helping people with specific languages as well, and Spanish is the first one that I'm going to be looking at. And so I decided to create this 
this program called the Fluent Spanish Academy where people can can join mm-hmm. and they they get to I I teach them they get to work with me every month, and so because I'm for that I'm I'm producing a lot of a lot of new content in Spanish. So I'm doing Spanish lessons. I've done a Spanish pronunciation course. I'm making more short stories in Spanish to help people learn grammar. Yeah. Um, All these things. So like, I I guess that's the language I'm using professionally the most. Right. Okay. Uh, I guess there's just like a a high demand for for Spanish in the world because, you know, it's it's one of the the most spoken languages in the world, isn't it? So it is. Yeah. There's there's a lot of demand for it. Um, Okay. All right. Um, There's, I've got endless questions Ollie, there's loads of things we could talk about, uh, but I think for this one, I think we've probably run out of time at this point. Because <laughs> okay. you know, you know, my podcast it can it can go on and on and on forever, and you know, at some point I need to just put a full stop at, at uh, the end of an episode sometimes. But um, please do come back at some point. You... I'd love to. Great, great. Well, then you know, I'll have to have you back on, on the podcast again at some point, and we can kind of go through some of the other questions that I've got here and and things like that. Um, so what's next? What are you doing? Have you got, got any plans coming up? Any big things happening in the, in the near future? Um, yeah, well, the big thing, like I, like I said, is the, the, the Fluent Spanish Academy. That's, that's, we're going to start that here, I think, probably next week. Um, I've got um, – I, I, one of the things I also do is I produce a lot of, uh, of short books of short stories in different languages to help people. I'm really excited to be launching a book of English short stories as well, yeah. um, which it should have been up already, but it's not. It's probably going to be next week. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's available, and that's, that's something that I'm, I'm really excited about because I, I have a lot of people, a lot of English learners who, who follow me on the, on, the, on the blog and the podcast, and so I, I, I'm really happy to be making something for them as well yeah. um, because yeah, a lot of the stuff I do is in different languages. So this book of English short stories is definitely going to be um, definitely yeah. There's something I, I'm really proud of it. The stories are really they're really interesting. They're unusual. Yeah. And um, so hopefully for for those those of you guys who are kind of intermediate, upper intermediate level, these stories will be fun. And so yeah, those that's what's coming out recent where, uh, in the near future. Where can people find those stories? I mean, are, are they up now? Or are they coming soon? Yeah, so by the time you guys listen to this, they will be published. You can go to, well, two things you can do. You can go to, maybe um, you can put a link on your blog, but you could also go to, you can go to Amazon if you just search for, for Ollie Richards, then you'll, you'll find all of my stuff there. Um, you can also go to, um, to IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com forward slash English stories, and that will send you straight to Amazon as well, so you can, you can buy them there. Okay. Uh, there's a Kindle Kindle version, and also you can get the physical book as well. Because I know lots of people like to have the, the the book, the physical book. So that's available as well. Okay, great. Well, um, have a really good day. Um, I hope the sun is shining. It is. The sun's. It, it's been a crazy week here because we've got all these thunderstorms going on, and the 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 pattern at the moment. Like a few hours of crazy thunderstorms, yeah. followed by bright sunshine. Yeah. So it's it's a bit it's a bit nuts, but right now it's sunny, so I'm going to go out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Me too. <laughs> You've got to enjoy the sunshine when it when it when it happens. Especially in London. Absolutely. All right. Well, great to talk to you. Speak to you again soon. Um, have a really great day. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's great fun as ever, and I look forward to the next time. All right. Me too. Okay, mate. Cheers. All the best. Bye bye. Bye for now. English. 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 Yes. English. 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 English.
English. English. English. English. English. English. English. English. Plain English, creep. Speak English. 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 I'm speaking in English. So there you go. That was my conversation with Ollie Richards, the second conversation with Ollie that I've had on this podcast. Um, and uh, he always has so many things to say, um, so many different uh, things to talk about. Um, and um, yeah, I hope to have him back on the podcast soon for another conversation like that. Um, let's see. What are the, the things that we talked about mainly there? Just to, just to kind of uh, recap. Um, essentially, we started off by talking about um, Periscope, didn't we? Um, and we talked about using Periscope um, and possible the possibilities for learning English through Periscope. Um, you can visit the page for this episode and you'll find a link to, to, to Periscope where you can download the app. Uh, we then talked about the relationship between accents and our identity um, and whether or not learners of English should spend loads and loads of time and effort on reducing their accent in English. Um, and there's a question of, you know, there's a there's a, uh, a difference to be made between accent reduction and just learning clear pronunciation. And so Ollie suggested that uh, learners of English just focus on learning clear pronunciation, basically, um, learning how to, to, to say words and sentences in a clear and effective way. So focusing there on um, the, the main aim should be effective communication rather than adopting uh, a certain accent. It's just about results. Are you able to communicate exactly what you mean um, effectively or not? And that really is about learning how to speak clearly. So he suggests that you use, you, you know, you just use, let's say, pronunciation um, guides. You could use um, uh, pronunciation self-study books that uh, um, help you to develop um, clear pronunciation using the phonemic chart. Um, and um, also just the benefits of interacting in English, like communicating with people, probably native speakers, um, as as a as a, a sort of a natural way of focusing on effective communication. Um, we also talked about the physical side of learning a language, and and the way that sometimes your face or throat may hurt if you speak um, another language for a long period of time. And just the question of whether it's normal to experience any physical pain when practicing your speaking in English. And it is, frankly, quite normal, if, especially if you speak um, for an extended period of time on your own. For example, if you're repeating after me, or if you're reading from a transcript or something like that, then yeah, naturally, it's going to hurt a little bit so we talked about that a bit um and plenty of other things um so one of the things that ollie stressed there was the importance of engaging in spoken communication as a way of focusing on developing your effectiveness in communication in english um so you should be thinking about ways that you could do that then you know don't underestimate the importance of just engaging in actual communication with people um how can you do that well if you have opportunities to speak to people and communicate in english then you must take them and that can also include just um you know speaking english to people that uh, speak your language. So you might want to try and arrange like English speaking groups or find people on the internet who are willing to talk to you in English. Um, I think that it's still going. I think there is a Skype group uh, for Luke's English podcast. You might want to just check out the forum. Go to 
the uh, the website teacherluke.co.uk click on forum in the menu and i think that there are lepsters there who've shared their skype details and who get together sometimes to to talk to each other on skype good idea you know it's important to actually activate your spoken english um, if there are people who live near you in some way, or if you uh, if you have people at work who speak English, then you know try and make the effort to to get together with them and make the most of those opportunities and actually you know speak English because it's very important those times. Okay, so really you've got to try and take advantage of any opportunities you have to actually interact with people in English because that's really. Uh, probably the best way, the most direct way to improve the effectiveness of your communication in English. Um, and if you don't have any options or if, if it's just not convenient for you to, to, to find people to speak to, then obviously there's italki as well, the sponsor for this podcast. And um, I do talk about italki in every episode, you know, a little brief mention at the beginning. Um, it is good. I mean, it's genuinely a good idea. And lots of people use it. Ollie Richards use, uses italki to practice his languages um, because it's so convenient. So, you know, you could consider using italki. That's a pretty good solution, really. If you can't find people to speak English to, you can just find them uh, on, on the internet and speak to them using Skype. Um, just go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk or click an italki logo on the website. You can check it out. And if you like, you can buy some time with some native speakers or teachers. And if you do that, if you follow my code and and uh, and then you do that and you buy some some lessons or speaking time, then uh, you'll get that discount. You'll get te- a ten dollar um, voucher from Italki, which you can then apply to to other purchases in the future. In the future, where imagine the future, the future where you will be speaking even more effective English after doing all these things. Yeah, it's possible. You can. You really can do it as well. Also, did you notice that Ollie didn't ask me about my French homework? He didn't ask me. I got away with it. Yay, I got away with it. Although ultimately, you know, I'm the one who pays the price because I'm not doing the uh I'm not doing the practice. So, you know what? I need to do. I need to have my lunch and uh, do some homework. All right? Okay. And what about you? What about your commitment to English? Have you been doing your homework? don't know. That's up to you, isn't it? All right, then. That's the end of this episode. You'll find links to Ollie's work um, on the page for this episode. You'll also find a link to his book of short stories in English. Um, and uh, so check those things out. Um, but um, that's it for this one. Speak to you again soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke's English podcast. You can't touch this. This is a masterpiece of the English language. All righty then. Just think of the accolades it's received over the years. Wait a minute. Who are you? I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. This is going to be good. Really? Yes. I want to get into it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke's English podcast. And this is Britain at its best. Oh, you lucky people! Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.